Hear this from Acts 8, 9 through 24. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying that this is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on them, but they had only received the baptism of the Lord Jesus. They then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands, he offered them money, saying, Give to me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands might receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May you perish with your money, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right with God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, if possible, would forgive you for the intent of your heart. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that in these few moments you would be with me as I preach this word and that you would be with these people, that all would receive it. It's your name I pray. Amen. The Holy Spirit is on the move. Can you say this with me? The Holy Spirit is on the move. One more time. The Holy Spirit is on the move. I want us to start from there today so it will be firmly planted in our minds. This isn't a statement that the Holy Spirit was on the move in the past, though that is true. Nor is this a statement that the Holy Spirit will be on the move in the future, though that is true as well. No, this is a present tense statement for the here and the now that the Holy Spirit is on the move. With that in our mind, my hope is that we can walk away with it in our hearts as well. And even if you don't believe it right now, hold it close as we step into the middle of Acts. One of my more enjoyable hobbies as an undergrad at Baylor was sailing. I got to work over at the marina on Baylor's campus, and in that time I learned how to sail this small 13-foot sunfish sailboat. Now, I was never that great at it, but I loved the wind, the water, the boat, everything about it. From taking the time to put the rig on the boat to attaching the rudder and feeling the coolness of the water to just cruising out with the wind. 
I loved everything about it. And I didn't even mind putting everything up at the end just because it was a part of the whole experience. I can recall being out there one day and, you know, I was kind of a noob and the wind was just a little too strong for me. And the next thing I knew, I turned the boat a little bit too sharp and sail and all went underwater, uh, which was quite an experience. Even as much as I messed up, it never stopped me from going out, and I went out as much as I could. Now, in spite of all my mishaps, I did manage to learn a thing or two about sailing. Uh, most notably, I learned that it is absolutely impossible to sail straight into the wind. Now, that might sound like common sense, but even if you can get the front of your boat positioned just a few degrees from being straight into the blowing wind, you can get yourself moving again. But when you're facing straight into the wind, you're dead in the water. The term used to describe this is called irons. You're said to be at irons if you've got the front of the boat positioned in direct opposition to the wind. Now, sailing is a pretty old profession, so it comes with some old terms too. At irons comes from the feeling of being shackled in iron cuffs, stuck with no place to go. You can picture it a little bit if you try. People centuries ago having these heavy iron shackles put around their wrists and their ankles, making it basically impossible to move. You're chained down when you're at irons. And being caught against the wind in a sailboat feels a whole lot like that. Even if you can turn the boat a little bit from being straight into the wind, you can get yourself moving again. But you have to be willing to move with the wind. Now, just a few moments ago, we heard the story of Philip's work in Samaria and, and the conversion of Simon the Magician. The passage comes at a kind of pivotal point in the book of Acts. In chapter 1, we hear Luke's account of the Great Commission. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This verse serves as a kind of outline for the whole book of Acts. In chapter 2, we read that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost like a mighty, rushing wind. He brought new life to these people, moving them to a direction they likely hadn't foreseen at all. It's this wind that carries these disciples to the temple in Jerusalem to preach the gospel. And then they keep moving throughout Judea, all the while building up the early church. Then we hit chapters 6 and 7, and we see our first backlash to this movement, the martyrdom of Stephen. And then at the very beginning of chapter 8, we're told that a persecution rose up against the believers, and it scattered them throughout Judea and Samaria. And then it's in this moment that we meet Philip and his work with Simon. Philip wasn't even called to be a preacher. In Acts 6, he's listed off as one of those who was appointed to take care of the widows of the church. Yet, it's the rushing wind of the Holy Spirit that pushes him outside the community he was appointed to, to likely the last place he thought he would end up, Samaria. And in turn, he begins to teach. And those who listened to him in Samaria believed. 
Simon the magician was no exception. Simon, the one who had been praised for being great, amazing the people around him. But Philip spoke, and at hearing his words and seeing the miracles he did, Simon the magician, the amazer, was amazed. He too believed, and we're told he clung to Philip after his baptism. Now, if the story were to end there, I might not have a sermon for you, Uh, but it continues, and immediately following this, we're told that Peter and John go to affirm these new believers and bless them with the laying on of hands. And in this action, the Holy Spirit moves again and rushes into these people in a kind of Samaritan Pentecost. Simon, again amazed at what he sees, asks to purchase this power, and Peter, without hesitation, rebukes him and calls him to repent. And it's in this moment that Simon finds himself at irons. Simon's simple response leaves us wondering what actually happened. We don't know if he repented. Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Did Simon repent? We don't know. Instead, we're left to ponder his actions today and what what we're supposed to do in light of them. It's all right. Say it with me again. The Holy Spirit is on the move. One more time. The Holy Spirit is on the move. And with that in mind, we need to begin to ask ourselves, are we moving with or against the Holy Spirit? Are we moving with or against this rushing wind of the Spirit? In our story in Acts 8, we get to see both answers to this question. On the one hand, we have Philip, Peter, and John who move with the Spirit. Philip heard the call to go far beyond what, he's, what he was originally asked to do, to preach in Samaria. Peter and John move with the Spirit by going and affirming the work of Philip. And in doing this, the Holy Spirit continues to move in the Samaritan Pentecost. But, but on the other side, we have Simon, who took a couple steps with the Holy Spirit and then seems to do a kind of 180-degree turn to catch himself at irons against the wind of the Holy Spirit. Though he had chosen to be a believer, he seems to have lost track somewhere along the way, getting caught up in these miracles he was seeing. He was a magician by trade, after all, and you can imagine, after a while of seeing all these great miracles, he started to see a little bit of a business opportunity. He lost focus of what he'd been taught and ended up dead in the water, just praying that someone would come push him in the right direction. Now, I think all of us here want to be Philip, Peter, or John in this story, but our reality might be a little bit more like that of Simon. We can see and hear the great things God is doing, of the way the Holy Spirit is moving, but it all seems foreign and far away. We feel a little dead in the water at irons. Sure, we might hold our hand up in the air and feel the breeze of the Holy Spirit as it goes by, 
but we're still just sitting at irons waiting for someone to come push us in the right direction. We, as the people of God, are called to commit to move with the Holy Spirit. It takes commitment. It takes hard work. Yet the truth we find in the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit is on the move and we must commit ourselves to moving with it. The Holy Spirit is on the move. We know this to be true. We know we're called as the people of God to move with it. So our question has to become, how do we see where the Holy Spirit is moving? How do you see where you can strive to position yourself to move with this wind of the Holy Spirit? And my simple answer is, you just look around you. Now, growing up playing baseball, one of the first things any kid learns how to do is catch a pop fly. It is one of the most satisfying feelings to see a ball that's been hit up in the air, and you run and, and you feel the thud of it as it hits your mitt. But the wind can play havoc with a baseball, and over the years I learned a trick or two about how to keep up with it, one of which was just the simple grass pull. You, you grab a chunk of grass from the ground and you throw it in the air, and you watch as the wind carries it away. We need to position ourselves to see where the Holy Spirit is moving. We need to throw up some, some holy grass and see where the wind of the Holy Spirit is going. I don't think any of us would object to this. More often, I think it's simply that we don't pause long enough in our busy lives to see the work of the Holy Spirit being done around us. We rush from work to practice to getting an errand done to getting an assignment done to games and events of our kids to the point of exhaustion. We blind ourselves with calendars, with phones, with media. We celebrate busyness, but at the point and the cost of slowing down to see how God, how the Holy Spirit is moving. We as individuals need to pause and look around us to see what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. In our story in Acts today, we see an excellent example of this in Peter and John. You can imagine that they were pretty busy with their own ministry in Jerusalem, yet in spite of this, they still stopped to go and affirm the work of Philip being done in Samaria. I can imagine Peter and John sitting there, and Peter's eating when, when all of a sudden John comes rushing in. You won't believe it. Peter, startled looks up, won't believe what? Philip, he went up to Samaria, and the whole village he's in has been baptized. Peter, confused, baptized, you say. That sounds a lot like wishful thinking right now. No, it's true. I'm going up there tomorrow to see it myself. You should come with me. And in doing that, Philip takes the night, to, or Peter takes the night to decide and goes up to Samaria. These men stop what they are doing to see how the Holy Spirit is moving around them. It is all too easy for us to get caught up in our own little worlds and never stop to see what God is doing around us. 
we have to throw some grass up in the air to see where the wind of the Holy Spirit is going. We have to be willing to look up and stop long enough to process what is going on around us, to process what is going on in us, and see the work God is trying to do. We have to invest ourselves in Scripture so when the moment comes, we can see it come to life right before our eyes because the Holy Spirit is on the move. Now you say to yourself, okay, I've stopped a little bit. I kind of see where the Holy Spirit is moving. How do I move with it, though? How do I break the rhythm of my life right now that seems to have me caught at irons? And my simple, very theological answer is, just do something. Fear is crippling. And we often see the work of the Spirit as so far from us that we cripple ourselves worrying about what we should specifically do. We like concrete details, plans, instructions, empirical evidence showing us that next step we should take. We, we want to see what our first step should be, and we get upset when we don't see that concrete step. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes the best thing you can do is anything except nothing. When you're sitting at irons, shackled, dead in the water, up against the wind of the Holy Spirit, you'll continue to be that way by doing nothing. But just by taking a step, rocking the boat a little, if you will, you can begin to catch yourself up in this wind of the Holy Spirit. And we see this best, actually, in Simon. In his turn away from his newfound belief, he does something profoundly simple and powerful. He asks for prayer. He doesn't even feel capable of praying for himself. Instead, he asks someone else to do it for him. He does something to try and move with the wind of the Holy Spirit. And rather than just sitting there hoping he would be all right in the end, he listens to the rebuke of Peter. He asks for prayer that he might move with the wind of the Holy Spirit. I myself had to put this to practice earlier this semester. Between planning events for youth, planning a wedding, and trying to get schoolwork done, and just having a lot of decisions to make all around, I was pretty fatigued, physically and spiritually. And it was actually as I began to write this sermon about a month ago that I saw a kind of turning point. I knew in my mind that the Holy Spirit was real and could do great things, but I hadn't let myself stop in such a long time to process that, to understand it in my heart. And over the course of the semester, I got to teach a series on Acts to our youth on Wednesday nights. And as I dove into Scripture, I saw what Luke was trying to get across. The Holy Spirit is on the move. And in that, I began to experience the gospel in a real and fresh way in my life. 
I had hope that could not be put to shame, a hope and a peace in Christ that far surpassed my understanding, a hope that has brought me here to you to tell you that the Holy Spirit is on the move. It's on the move here in Waco. We have groups like the Jubilee Food Market and Jesus Said Love working to make a real difference in the lives of Wacoans. We've got Baylor students being sent out all over the world guided by the wind of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The Holy Spirit is on the move right here at FBC Waco. I see it in the way members come month after month to serve at Agape Meal. I see it in the way people come together season after season to serve our community sports leagues. I see it in the lives of our youth. As these students look to the future, they wonder what they can do with their life. And I've seen the Holy Spirit move through them and show them that they can serve the church through teaching, by being a missionary, and just by using the skills they have to make a real impact on the kingdom of God. So say it with me one more time. The Holy Spirit is on the move. It was in Acts, in Philip, and Peter, John, and even Simon. It will be in the future, and it is right now. We don't have to be caught at irons dead in the water. As you leave this place, take real time to pause, pray, look around you, and see what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. Then do something. Do something to move with the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that, in doing so, you too would find hope. And know in your heart and your mind that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is on the move. Would you pray with me? God, we pause here in this moment to ask that you would come and dwell in each of us. Show us where you are trying to move and show us what we can do to move with you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. As the students lead us in one last song today, we're going to enter into what we call a time of commitment. And if you feel the Holy Spirit is moving in your life to enter the waters of baptism or just become a member of First Baptist Waco, we would love to pray with you. Alex?